I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host, Newt's Insider, Trevor Allen. Glad to be with you guys once again for another episode of the Crimson Corner. Make sure you guys head over to KSLSports.com for all the latest and download the KSL Sports app. It's powered by University Federal Credit Union. Anything you need regarding content from around the state of Utah, and in particular with the Utes, we've got you covered with the KSL Sports app. Now, as I promised on the last episode, I want to play back part two of my interview with former Utah quarterback Drew Lisk. So we were talking about the season, um, everything that, that happened in 2020 with COVID and having to play football during a pandemic, coming in and relieving Jake Bentley, who was benched uh, late in that second quarter against Washington State in the regular season finale. And everything in between was on the last episode. But on this one, we're talking about why they didn't play in a bowl game. Tragic passing of running back Ty Jordan on Christmas night in Texas. And then looking ahead to what the 2021 Utah football team looks like. So here is part two of my conversation with Utah quarterback Drew Lisk. You guys chose after the, or, you know, leading up to that Washington State game that you guys were not going to play in a bowl game. Because you guys would have had to beat Washington State in order to even be eligible, even though there wasn't a, a bar set by, you know, college football, it was it was the Pac-12. You guys had to have a 500 record or better to be bowl eligible. But even though you guys had a chance to play in a bowl game, you guys opted not to. What went behind that choice to not play in a bowl game? I think at the end of the day, it was just like what we talked about earlier, playing, playing the season during everything that was going on. Um, it was a mental grind more than anything more than even physical i mean the physical grind of any season is always a high demand um but just the mental aspect of you're playing you're not playing you got to come in and get tested then and then come back later and get your test results like for instance jake one day gets a false positive and can't go to practice um so you know i mean it's just stuff like that over time i think everyone uh it wasn't that we didn't really want to play. It's not like no one wanted to play football again. Um, it was more of just, you know, we've been through a lot. And I think also big factor was we get to be at home for Christmas uh, with our families and stuff. And that's pretty rare when uh, when you got a program like us who's consistently playing in bowl games. Um, even if you get to go home for Christmas, you're often leaving Christmas Day and you've been there for two days or something. So I think that was those two things just – 
when we when it came down to it, we just decided, you know what, I think this would be a good decision. We can all after the last game, after the Washington State game, go home, be home for Christmas and, you know, just kind of put this year, <laughs> put the season behind us, move on a little bit, regroup a little bit. So to me, you guys made the right choice. I mean, who am I? I'm just a guy who covers the team, but for what you guys had to go through, I mean, writing all of these stories of games getting canceled and things like that. I mean, I can only imagine what it was like to be a player on that team. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, yeah, it just, each day was a new day with new news and new protocols, this and that. And it was just a lot. So yeah, we just ultimately, we ultimately were ready to, like I said, take a break for a little bit and regroup. Now, something I, I want to ask you really, really quick, and then we're going to move on to a couple of other things uh, looking ahead to the 2021 season. I guess we'll start off with that. How good is this Utah defense going to be? moving forward because there was all these brand new faces you were also a part of that 2019 team where you had the entire front except for Mika get drafted and the whole secondary is basically drafted or at least had a, a shot at the NFL and obviously uh you know Francis did as well just how good is this defense going to be moving forward especially with some of the pieces that the Utah picked up in that 2021 signing class uh really good <laughs> really good I mean it's when you look at the youth that was on the field, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball this past year, uh, there's a lot to look forward to uh, for the, from a defensive standpoint, from a whole team, honestly, but specifically about the defense. Since you asked, um, you know, there's a lot to look forward to. A lot of guys showed that, you know, they can play on the big stage. And I think for a lot of people, that was the question mark, you know, the, the defense is going to be young. How are they going to hold up? And even in practice, sometimes it's hard to tell because you're not tackling very much. When when it's not a live game rep, it's truly hard to hard to evaluate how a defense is going to play in a game um, from practice practice perspective. So you know they went out there and they I mean they showed again that they were just another typical great Utah defense this year. So um, with all those young guys getting all those game reps under their belt from this past year. Um, I would only expect them to be even better come next season. When uh, we uh, tweeted out the uh, story that, that you were officially done playing football, Britton Covey quote tweeted and, and wanted you to come back on senior night <laughs> to play quarterback. Uh, thoughts on that? Oh, man. Britton's a character. That's what I'll say there. Uh, he's always – he's got all sorts of stuff up his sleeve. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to come back. I mean, I obviously can't come back and play. That's, I don't think that's how it works. But – you know, I'm going to enjoy being able to come back for some games and enjoy it from from an outsider's perspective and just watch watch some games and keep an, keep an eye from wherever I, wherever I am and hopefully get to check out some games in person and also check out the new, uh, the new end zone down there. It's going to be pretty sweet. <laughs> it's going to be pretty sweet, man. I tell you what, you probably should have gone back just to be a part of that for one more <laughs> year. That would have been awesome. Um now, on a, on a very somber and sad note, I, I have to ask you, uh, you know, I can't have you on without asking you, Ty Jordan, when he uh, tragically passed away Christmas night in Texas, first of all, how did you hear, and two, what was your reaction to that? I mean, I actually, Jake had, Jake Bentley was actually in, at home in South Carolina, so on East Coast, he was up already, it was about 7 a.m., I think, and he had called me. And I was still laying in bed, so I didn't answer. I was like, yeah, I'll talk to him later. 
And then when I woke up an hour or so later, I had gotten on Twitter and seen everything. And I was just like, I was in shock. And nothing that I, you know, had seen was from anything that was like confirming it for sure. So, but I mean, everything was saying that that's what had happened. Um, I mean, that's just such a sad tragedy for just to think that someone that young uh, is gone. And to me, I was like, wow, that was, it was like a week after we played and had that incredible, you know, a week, a week after, and it's just, just gone, take it from us. Um, so just hard to put into words when someone like that passes away at such a young age and so tragically like that. Um, so that was extremely tough. Um, individually from a team's standpoint and also we know for his family too um but it was it was i was we were thankful to you know the utah the athletic department for letting us go down to a service um that was really well really well done and you know i think they did a great job of making it a celebration of his life um which is you know the exact personality that ty was he was always upbeat and um happy so the reflection of you know everything that he was certainly uh, stood out in the service. So it was good to be able to go down there and, and do that, but certainly going to be continue to miss him and um, just an invaluable piece of the team and just person. Um, everything you hear about him is certainly true and it's all good. So. So he only got to four times during the year counting camp because he was on, on the back end of the running back group. Um, he was always mentioned as like the third or fourth guy who was going to get reps behind Devin and Jordan. Um, and so we, we ended up talking to him once during, or actually I don't even think we even talked to him once during camp, but then the, the first time we did talk to him was after, I think it was the Washington game. And then after that, it was an every game occurrence, but we didn't get to know Ty the way you guys did. And that's the one thing that that really sits hard with me is I couldn't get to know Ty Jordan, the person. I mean, we ended up hearing about his story and, you know, about how, how his mom passed away, you know, in August and just everything that, that he's had to go through and, you know, trying to just everything he told us, he just wanted to make her proud. And I know for a fact, just that as someone who covers the team, that he did just that because his game on the field was, was spectacular, but he was also humble in the way he handled himself, at least the way that, that, that I looked at it from the media point of view, you're obviously a leader on that team and just seeing how he handled himself. And, you know, it, it was also really touching to see how they honored him uh, at a celebration of life where he had his uniform on. And then uh, from what I heard, we didn't get any video or anything of that, but that you guys went into the end zone with him or uh, took him into the end zone. And then you guys did the, uh, I think it's called the Utah Millie. Tom Hackett, um, you you probably know Tom Hackett. I work with mm -hmm. him. And so he told me about it and where you guys did that in the end zone with him. Yeah, they let us do that. Um, you know, they really embraced the fact that Ty was a part of our family and that we meant a lot to Ty and that Ty meant a lot to us. Um, so that was special to really kind of be, to get to be a part of that, um, to the celebration. Um, Obviously, for his family, they had it the toughest. Um, and then I would say we obviously really tough for all of us, too. But, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Um, obviously not easy or what anyone wants to do, but 
uh, given the situation, that's pretty cool that they let us do that. I don't know how you can really move on to the next thing without, I mean, it's, it's tough to do to move on from something th- this tragic, but we will anyway. Jake Bentley, um, a guy that you obviously had a really good relationship with, he decided to enter the portal after he was benched in the Washington State game. Just talk about any interactions that you had with him. What was his thoughts? I mean, we didn't really see him at all um, on Twitter or anything after the Washington State game. Just how did he take that getting benched and what kind of led to him entering the portal? I mean, he took it with class. Uh, he's a, he's a well, well-grounded man. Um, and you can tell that he's mature. Uh, we, we, we room together. So, I mean, our relationship was really good from the start. Uh, we always got along. Uh, but, you know, for him, it was just a situation where, um, you know, he, he wanted to go somewhere else. Uh, and I think, He's also excited to be closer to home too. Um, you know, he's not right at home, but at South Alabama, he's not too far. Um, so, I mean, I'm looking forward to watching him. I think he's going to have a great year because he's a talented player, no doubt about it. Um, so, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. But he, he handled it with class and was supportive, and, you know, we, we still talk every now and then, so. What is Cam Rising's potential? We only got to see about 17 snaps of him. It was kind of hit and miss a little bit. Um, but from from what I did see, I thought that, you know, the future was bright. But as someone who worked with him, practiced with him, and also competed with him at that quarterback position, what is Cam's potential? I think he's got a chance to be really good. You know, he's a uh, really good passer, which I think if, when you're looking at a quarterback, you know, that's the first place you should look because as a passer – um, and passing to me includes not only arm strength, but accuracy, decision-making, all of that. He's an instinctive player, uh, extremely accurate and quick delivery. Um, and he's got good pocket presence too. And his athleticism um, is, I don't know if at this point you can call it sneaky because I think a lot of people have gotten a chance to see it, but uh, he can, he can scoop and he's pretty slippery. So in my opinion, I think he's got really a chance to be really good and special player. Uh, hopefully, you know, I really hope that he comes out of this, out of the surgery and rehab at full strength, because, you know, I can only imagine if that was myself, how bummed I would be to have an injury like that. Uh, so I hope it doesn't hamper him in, in any way. Um, so I just really want him to be able to come back at full strength and get a chance to, you know, to really play and show what he can do. Cause I think it's going to be, he's going to be fun to watch. So with you being done playing and with Jake transferring, Utah had to go into the portal a little bit. I mean, obviously, Peter Costelli signed um, in the 2021 class. You also have Cooper Justice, but Cam's not going to be available at least until fall camp, according to Kyle Whittingham. But they went out into the portal and got Quindon Jackson, who's another Texas transfer, a dual threat guy and a guy who started for four years at Baylor and had a really good season in 2019 and Charlie Brewer. Just talk about the quarterback talent that's coming in for uh, Andy Ludwig and Kyle Whittingham. Yeah, so start with Peter. You know, he's visited a couple times. I've had a chance to talk to him, you know, once or twice. Um, Not a whole lot with COVID again. Um, You know, I've met him once, I think, in person, and then once he joined a Zoom over the quarantine when – the NCAA, I don't know, whatever their weird rules. <laughs> he he was able to, but not the incoming class. I don't know, it's weird. That will end up but, being um, a whole other avenue to talk about the NCAA. We're not going to Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. We won't do that. <laughs> but uh, 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I think from what I've heard, you know, everything he's sounds like he's a great athlete, good arm strength, and uh, I'm sure with Coach Ludwig, he's going to develop very well um, if he's got the skill set. And from what I've heard, he's all ball and is ready to learn. Um, as far as the two transfer guys, I don't know a ton about them specifically. Um, obviously, I know um, Charlie being the guy who started at Baylor. Um, heard, I've seen him seen a little bit about him, heard a little bit about him over the past couple of years. Uh, so he's a well-established uh, veteran player. So um, I'm sure that 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 presence will be good with a young room. Um, and then the transfer from Texas, uh, young guy, I know. Um, I don't know a whole lot about him, to be honest with you. But um, I know they're high on each of them. So, um, yeah, I mean, Coach Ludwig, to touch on him real quick, he's when, – when I say all ball about Peter – um, no one is more all ball than <laughs> Coach Ludwig. So yeah. um, they'll, they'll all be in good hands. And when it comes time to play, I know they'll be ready because Coach Ludwig is the one who's running the show in there and going to make sure that they're right. So he's, he's as sharp as they get. So, And there you go. That is part of part two of my conversation with Drew Lisk. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will finish up the conversation with – the former Utah quarterback. You're listening to the Crimson Corner Podcast. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. back into the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by kslsports.com. I'm your host and Utes insider Trevor Allen. A really good conversation that went about an hour on a live stream a couple weeks ago with Drew Lisk and I wanted to bring it back for you guys. Um, And we're going to be using Drew throughout the football season, throughout the off season. Just whenever anything comes up, uh, he's going to be a great resource for KSL Sports and our Utes coverage for football this upcoming season. So Really excited to have him on board. But we're going to finish up our conversation with the second part of part two of my interview with Drew Lisk. I want to ask this because I do not want to have it slip my mind and I don't have it written down on on my bullet points. But when did you know you were done playing football? At least for Utah. Um, I would say I I kind of was thinking about it a lot over uh, over the break, over Christmas and all. Um, 
you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to let that last game, you know, being on the high of that last game determine my decision for me. Um, so I kind of use a little bit of time to kind of let that sink in and kind of go on the back burner a little bit and not really have that be the forefront of my decision. Um, I think it was probably uh, two weeks ago was when, you know, Coach Ludwig could call me to check in again. And at that time, I was ready to make my decision. So um, I just went ahead and told him and that was that. So moved on from that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly wasn't an easy decision, but, you know, I feel, I feel good about the decision that I made and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to what's to come. And I mean, that everyone's going to miss playing sports. So, I mean, I'll miss it at some point. It'll hit me a little bit probably because um, it was something that I really enjoyed. But at the end of the day, it was just something that, you know, I felt like it was a good time for me and I'm happy where I'm at in life, not just from a playing standpoint. So, um, you know, that was, that was the ultimate, just kind of looked at a whole picture rather than um, looking at, wow, I had that great game. Like playing here is going to be like, you know, like I'm, this is going to be great. Everything is going to be perfect for me now, you know? So I just kind of tried to take a step back and just analyze it from a personal perspective on just, you know, me playing football, continuing to play football. So did Lud or Wit try to convince you to come back for one more year? Uh, they didn't do, no. I mean, they kind of were saying, you know, it's up to you. You do what you want to do kind of a thing. Um, they're, I mean, they made it clear that they'd be happy to have me um, if I chose to come back. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't a bag fest or anything that were on their knees, <laughs> which yeah. you wouldn't expect. I mean, as you can yeah. see, they can, they can find talent. So I want to touch on a couple more things and then I'll let you go. Obviously I I told you 30 minutes and it hasn't, it's been well past that, but uh, you know, this has been a great conversation. Oh yeah. I enjoy talking ball. (laughs) Um, So not only that with, you know, the the quarterback position going to the portal, but Utah had to do that as well after um, TJ green entered the portal during camp. And then um, Devin Brumfield, Jordan Wilmore, both decided to uh, enter the portal. Devin's going to Tulane and Jordan's going to Fresno state. And then, obviously, the whole tragedy with with uh, Ty Jordan left Utah really bare as far as scholarships at, at running back. So they went and got two pretty good recruits, uh, guys who who were highly sought after coming out of high school. One in TJ Pledger coming out of Oklahoma, and then uh, coming out of LSU is uh, Chris Curry. What does that say about Utah and where they're at now, where they're getting these kind of transfers from? I guess, blue blood college football teams. I just think it speaks volumes to when, you know, when you have continued success, you can, and you build on it each year and show that you can sustain that success. Uh, you start to, you know, start getting a little bit of recognition and uh, start to stand out a little bit. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with, you know, just over the years, uh, the coaching staff that's in place that's been in place has established the foundation and, the players that come in each and every year and that stay for four years, four or five years, uh, continue to build upon it. And, um, you know, it's just, I think Utah's starting to get on the map a little bit and deservedly. So, um, we've got, we've had talented players on the roster all five years that I was here and, you know, some guys coming from, from some, you know, traditionally big name schools, um, I think only 
only ups that. Um, so I think you'll continue to see it. You know, I think the recruiting is, I don't follow the, I don't follow and keep up with recruiting very closely at all. Uh, I kind of, you know, when guys come in or whatever, I take notice on visits and all, and then get to know them and they get here. I don't follow it maybe as closely as I should as an active player or did. Um, but, you know, the recruiting classes have been outstanding in the past few years um, and they continue to climb. So uh, I would say the future is in, future's bright uh, with the current roster and the guys continuing to come in. And, you know, hopefully they can continue to climb and have continued success and reach that Pac-12 championship uh, and win it and, you know, on a national level um, have success too, because I think they're certainly capable, capable of it. What is your time at Utah meant to you? Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, it's been five years of my life where, you know, probably some of the best five years of my life that I'll ever have. Um, you know, it's been a great experience on the field, off the field, uh, educational, education wise. Um, you know, I just really can't say enough about the positive experiences that I've had here. Uh, just the, everyone involved, the people, uh, they do things right in the program academically. Uh, the people that are around want to help you and they care about you um, in all all aspects. So uh, it's, a, it's a great place. And, you know, I really can't say that I would do anything differently looking back at, um, at my five years. So it's been something I'll cherish for the rest of my life. Two of those five years, you guys went to the Pac-12 championship game. Obviously, the first time was against Washington. You didn't have Zach or Tyler Huntley um, in that game. But, you know, still, I mean, really close game. And then you guys had, I mean, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this now, especially since you're not a player anymore, you guys had a chance to go to the college football playoff had you guys beat Oregon in that championship game in 2019. As someone who's been through that grind of being a Pac-12 style champion, and now that you're not a player anymore, you get to put on your analyst hat, your you know fan hat. <laughs> when will Utah hoist the Pac-12 championship trophy? What year? I'm going to say 2021. I think really? so. I think I think I think there's legitimate, and I would say confident chance that it happens this year. Um, and if it doesn't happen this year, uh, it's right around the corner. Um, Probably within the next two to three years, the latest. I would, yeah, I would be shocked if it, it took that long. Um, the, the the talent is there, the schemes and the you know everything is everything's in place. Uh, we've come up just short twice, um, you know, where we just didn't necessarily play play as good as we were able to. Um, and getting over that hump is going to be a challenge. Every every time you take the next step getting to the next one after that just becomes exponentially harder. Um, so it's a, it's not just a one game thing. It's a starts in the winter conditioning, spring ball, summer, fall camp, each individual game. Uh, it's takes a lot to get there, but I think the program has shown that they can get there and I definitely see it happening. Them overcoming that in the next year to two or three years for sure. Kyle Whittingham told us after the game against Washington State um, that you have three degrees. Is that true? 
I don't know if you count a minor as officially, like as a degree itself. I have a, so I majored in kinesiology and finished that up, I guess, uh, year and, well, I guess it was last summer. And then, um, so I did a business minor with that um, when I finished that up. And then I started a master's in finance in the fall. So I will leave with, I don't know, again, I don't know, a, a bachelor's degree and a master's. So. That's still impressive. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, and I, you know, that was, I wanted to finish up and get the most out of it and, you know, hopefully set myself up for success in the future. And um, they were, I'm fortunate enough to be provided with that opportunity. So try to take advantage of it. So final question, what's next for Drew Lisk? Oh, right now, um, you know, going through the master's program. It's, uh, not easy, <laughs> not hard, but it's not easy. Uh, so just finishing that up this spring and summer, um, possibly an internship starting in spring and, um, hopefully when it gets warm, uh, even more golf than last summer during the quarantine. So, uh, yeah, I find ways to stay, stay busy and active and enjoy myself. But, uh, yeah, and then from there, we'll see. <laughs> see what happens. Is there a uh, type of field that, that, that you want to work in? You know, I don't know. I'm trying to hopefully figure that out with the through the master's program. Uh, certainly interested in finance, exactly what specific area um, of finance. That's kind of what I'm going through right now, taking some electives, see what, I, what it is that I like most. And then, um, yeah, like I said, go from there, see what's available, see what presents itself what opportunities I can create for myself and uh, make the most of them. Maybe some type of salary cap type of <laughs> business. Maybe you're working for an NFL team doing salary caps. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that. We'll see. We'll see. Well, Drew, it has been an absolute pleasure. I know I've taken up way too much of your time, but for all the youth fans out there who are tuning in or who will watch this later, can you just give them a message of, you know, of what they've meant to you or, you know, just at kind of as a, a parting, like we, we never got a, a, you know, chance to give you a proper send off in that Washington state game. Cause there weren't any fans other than family members, but as that proper send off now, what would you say to Utah fans? Uh, keep supporting the team. You know, the, the support means a lot for sure. Um, having, having people pulling for you and, getting juiced up for you um for games home and away and just uh supporting the community means a lot uh keep the faith because there's bright years ahead um and you know just keep packing packing rice echoes and making it loud and giving the opponents nightmares and uh i think you you guys got some good things coming for you so keep it up and there you go. That was Drew Lisk, the former Utah quarterback. If you want to listen to the full conversation and you haven't yet, I played the first half of it on the last episode of the Crimson Corner podcast and then part two, obviously, on this episode. And then coming up on the next episode of the Crimson Corner podcast, a really important discussion with two Utah football leaders, Devin Lloyd and Clark Phillips III. In honor of Black History Month, we talked about the social justice issues that, that are going on in America and how we can educate ourselves to be able to understand of what is going on in our society. 
None of it's football. I'm going to be honest with you, but there's a time and place for football. I know spring football is right around the corner. And trust me, we will have you covered wall to wall with Utah spring football here on the podcast and at kslsports.com. But I think you guys will enjoy this conversation on the next episode, so make sure you guys check it out. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Crimson Corner Podcast, and it's always powered by kslsports.com. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.